Whenever we talk about freedom, uh, we need to kind of talk about what we're getting set free from. And Jim just did that (laughs) from sin. But sometimes what sin actually looks like or actually how it presents itself um, pretty much all the time is is bondage and and so bondage is sin, but I want us to just take this definition in for thought. Bondage is any time that my soul is held back from whatever God has for me. I'll say it a little bit differently. Bondage is any time that my soul is held back from whatever God wants for me. And sometimes what I want, what you want, comes up against what God wants. And when we continue to go into that want that's our own and deviate from what God wants for us, that's bondage. And it happened really early on, as Jim was talking about. It happened to Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16, it's the first time that freedom is mentioned. And any time when you're interpreting Scripture, you, you take note. It's one of those laws of interpretation. You take note of the first time anything's mentioned. The first time freedom from bondage is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 2. God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. God is setting them free to partake of what he has for Adam and Eve, the same way he sets us free through Jesus to partake of what he's destined us to have through Jesus, the life, the light, the freedom. He's setting them free from something that they don't even know they will be bound to. He puts this tree in the midst of the garden and says, do not partake of that. They are free to have everything else. But not that. We need to take that into consideration, saints of God. There's some things that the freedom of God, which is the purest form of freedom, God who created us, designed us to have his freedom, the, the, the freedom that he has for us. But there's also restraint from things that we may want. And so Adam and Eve look at that tree, and the woman, and then Adam, They see that it is pleasing to the eyes. They see that it is good for food. And it's desirable to make one wise. Tony Evans calls that tree the Google tree. (laughs) Because they were getting a download of information of more than they wanted to. Holy Spirit, the pun is intended. (laughs) He prompts me. Sometimes when we're on Google, we're getting more information than is healthy for us. And certainly includes things that we shouldn't be looking at, but also includes information that comes from the reasoning that entered the world when Satan tempted Adam and Eve. Now all of a sudden, fear is coming in. 
But wait a second, didn't Jesus die to set us free from fear? We did not receive the spirit of fear again to bondage, Paul says. We received the spirit of adoption, freedom as sons of God, Abba Father. Amen? Bondage. Any time that God wants something for us, but we're being held back by something else. This may be a rhetorical question for some, but it may not be for others. Can a believer be in bondage? Some said yes. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I've been in bondage. Every time I do one of these, I, there's something new that the Lord stirs. And so I'm happy to do more. <laughs> hmm. I recently dealt with shame in my life. I'm going to give you a testimony that's unfolding. I'm not here saying that I am completely free of shame. But that which the Holy Spirit has revealed and convicted my heart of, and I've repented of, that part of shame... I am free, and I, I don't know any part of shame that's still in me. Sometimes brothers and sisters can see better than me, <laughs> and they can see other things that I can't. That's a true thing. But the Holy Spirit reveals, sometimes through a brother and sister, sometimes directly. He revealed shame to me. I've always exercised since I can remember. been a health and fitness guy, and... Um, those that know me will know that I'm pretty disciplined with that. But for some reason, for some reason, I would not want to talk about it to other people. Because I felt like, I felt the sense of like, okay, they're not going to understand. Really what it was, was I did not understand that I was ashamed of the idolatry that was in my life. The, the way that that was holding me back from stepping in to being my, my identity as being an approved son. It was an addiction. And so, June 27th, I'll show you the entry in a little bit. On June 27th, I'm, I'm encountering, I wrote in the journal, I'll show you that entry in just a little bit. I'm encountering the Holy Spirit more like he's encountering me by his grace. And I am doubled over groaning, and he's bringing to mind this simple thing where Paul says it's profitable. There's profit in exercise, but this simple thing of exercise actually being an idol, and I'm feeling the weight of it. And instantly, I understand that I have shame that I did not know I had. Because I am a leader in the church, yeah, but we'll get beyond the religious spirit. <laughs> because I'm a son of God, and I'm consumed with this thing. And he starts unraveling some of the ways that I started to, this, this started to take root. I had cancer. It was deepened then. I exercised before that, but it was deepened then. I need to stay healthy. I need to take it into my own strength, my own devices to stay healthy. And he was saying, no, no, you see, you're relying on you, and only can you do through all things through me. Jesus Christ saying that. 
And so I, not only can, did I have bondage, but I believe there was a demonic entanglement on me. And this is how I know. As I was doubled over in the spirit, crying, my boys could hear me. I woke Becky up. It was in the morning. I'm doubled over, and I feel this depth of groaning coming out of me. And I feel this torment and this demonically charged addiction leaving. And, and for the first time, I gave it to him completely. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> I, there's so many things that I have testified about because I try to give glory to the Lord and what he's doing for me because the testimony of Jesus, it speaks prophecy into the atmosphere. I've been delivered of lust. I've shared that before. I've been delivered of a TV addiction completely. Those things were a process. I've been, I've been delivered of the need for money in many ways. These are things I'm still vulnerable because I'm still walking the face of the earth, and it would be absurd for me to say I'm perfect. Yes, the perfect one is in me, but I'm still vulnerable to the things that, that are in this world. So we walk circumspectly, as Paul says. We are sober. We're vigilant, lest the enemy, the roaring lion, devour us, because that's what he wants to do. This one was an instantaneous deliverance, right in that moment. He works in the process. He works in the immediacy of his power as well. He works that way. And so here's the deal. I've never gone back to watching TV. I just don't. I see it on different places, but and there's no condemnation. If it's not, if you're not a slave to it, then I'm not condemning. Let the Holy Spirit speak. I've never gone back to lust where it's been burnt out of me. I've never gone back to many things. But this one, God was speaking, and he set me free right there. And he said, I want you to have self-control, son. Not self-indulgence in your pursuit of health and fitness. Not self-indulgence in your pursuit of self-preservation. But self-control. So not self-indulgence in eating. (laughs) Not self-indulgence in pleasure-seeking, the lust of the flesh. But self-indulgence, self-control. Where myself is controlled. And now when I exercise, which is a lot different than I used to, I feel a freedom. <laughs> I talk with people all, about, all the time about it. Um, prophetically, I just want to declare over this place. Sometimes the reason we're not healed physically is because he's doing something in the soul. In Galatians 5, it talks about the nine fruits of the Spirit. The last one listed is self-control. The first is love. And what the Holy Spirit has shown me is that that self-control is the trunk of all of the fruits of the Spirit. Love is a verb, and it's a choice. Joy, whether or not I partake in it, is a choice. The peace of God is a choice to receive. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. All choices to receive based on, by the power of the Holy Spirit, self-control. 
And so sometimes when we're dealing with a situation that has a lot to do with our physical health and our poor choices based on a lack of self-control, he wants to go deeper than a simple prayer for the natural thing to be made right. He wants it made right. But he's also going to the soul because he says we're spirit, soul, and body. And so that part of our soul that's indulging in gluttony, as much as I indulged in overuse and overexercise, does, devil does not care which side of the ditch we're in, just as long as we're in one. And we're all susceptible. So when we pray those prayers, there's a word of wisdom from the Lord. Self-control. Ask me what I have for you. And where I'm looking other places for comfort, whether it's exercise, whether it's food, whether it's pleasure, whether it's sometimes hardship. Some of us can be pretty religious in our sadistic activities. <laughs> I'm not a sadist. I'm just being funny. But... <clears throat> um, where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty there is freedom for the whole package now may the God of peace himself sanctify us cleanse us completely and may our whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord This is probably the most popular verse when you're talking about freedom. It's from John 8, verse 32. Jesus is talking to some people. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The people he's talking to are believers. Verse 31 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, the same word that's used in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Believe. Put my trust in Jesus. He's saying, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free to believers that are in bondage. What do you know? They respond to him We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. <clears throat> They're Abraham's descendants who God spoke to in Genesis and said, in 400 years you're going to go into bondage. And we know from history they were in bondage to the Egyptians and they were in bondage to a whole lot more than that. Jesus is speaking to their natural oversight <laughs> to get to something deeper in their hearts, in their spirits. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus says to them, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. That word commits means not just to do a one-time thing. It means to practice it, to repeat it, to continue in it. There's something I'm doing. 
that I'm continuing to do that the Holy Spirit is pricking my heart about, and I just can't figure it out, but something's wrong about this, yet I continue to look at things I shouldn't look at. I continue to harbor an offense and be bitter towards someone. I can't let it go. I continue to pick up the alcoholic beverage, not just because I like the taste of it, because I like the effect of it, and I do it pretty frequently, maybe every day. Uh, Jesus says, <laughs> if you commit those sins, you're a slave of sin. He's talking to believers that are putting their trust in Jesus but they're committed to a way of thinking that's less than what he has for them. <clears throat> but a son abides forever. When I am diligently applying myself to make everything right, I fall short. Just like Jim says, I can't wash myself free of the sin. It's only Jesus. It's his blood that takes care of that sin. And Paul says, when I enter into that identity as a son of God, I'm entering into a brotherhood with Jesus. I am a co-heir with him. Now I have all the rights and privileges of the son of heaven. Because I am a son of heaven. This is that journal entry I was telling you about. Someone once asked, we're a church that believes in healing. Someone once asked Smith Wigglesworth, why do you need your glasses if, you're doing, if God heals so much? And he responded, you tell me why Elijah was so bullheaded and I'll tell you why. <laughs> and there was no response. I'm waiting for my eyes to get better. This is my journal entry from June 27th. I gave him working out. That's what I call it. In a tremendous groaning, deeply touching, that's what I meant to say, touching move of Holy Spirit, I felt and recognized the shame upon me leaving. Tears of depth poured out as I was delivered from the bondage of shame and addiction, idolatry of working out. There's a powerful man in the Bible who had an adulterous relationship with a woman. And then he tried to cover it up. It's King David. And that sin had to come out. It had to be confessed for it to be completely covered by the blood of Jesus. He believed for the future Messiah who would die for him and that sin to be covered. And God stamped his approval on it. He called David a man after his own heart. Before that happened, and the title stood because David was a man after his own heart. Even though, as a believer and truster in God, Trust, trusting man in God. He still sinned. 
there's a woman in the Bible who wasn't married just twice or three times or four times. She was married five times. John chapter 4 tells us of the Samaritan woman. And Jesus sees her and says, God is spirit, and those who worship in spirit, those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The truth is that you are bound, and he sets the woman free, and she goes on and confesses her sins. Everybody knows it. She's no longer living in the shame having to come, over, come out, out to the well when no one else is there. King David, when it's exposed by the prophet Nathan, is no longer having to live with the shame. There's roots that get entangled in us, roots of bondage, roots of sin that are holding us back from the freedom and the liberty of being in his presence like he wants us to. Those roots need to be uprooted, taken out, and brought to the light where the sun, S-O-N and (laughs) S-U-N, in the spirit and in the natural, can shed light on it and kill it. Pride-fueled shame, like I had, only comes out by the superior power of humility-fueled faith in Jesus. When I am still afraid to talk about the sin that's holding me back, I am living in shame. And he wants his believers, he wants the people that are not believing yet, he wants the creation, his, all mankind, to come to that revelation. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Living with secrets that hold me back are holding me back from my God-given destiny. One of the symptoms that I had from this particular shame, and there's been more, God, as he reveals, I'm, I'm a work in progress. We are all being transformed into the same image, the image of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. It's a process. There's an immediacy nature to it, but sometimes I'm a little slow on the uptake. How about you? When he sets us free, he sets us free indeed. That shame was holding me back in a way that was so insidious and so deceptive. I had worked through different types and different manifestations of the fear of man. But there was still a subtle way that I was relying on the approval of man Because I was ashamed and I didn't know it, I was ashamed and I didn't realize the sonship that I possessed. I hadn't stepped into that. And so here I am operating in the fear of man, in other words, reverence toward man, in subtle ways. And again, I'm like an onion. He keeps peeling layers. The fear of man or the respect of man, over-respect of man, over-concern of what man thinks is a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And so, for King David, for the Samaritan woman, and I would argue even the woman with the issue of blood, ashamed of her physical issue, she goes and touches the hem of Jesus, and she's set free from the spirit of infirmity right there. She's believing in Jesus. She's coming to Jesus. She's a believer who's set free right there. 
Those shames are only overcome when we come to the light. I am not, I am not writing a script for us to confess it and declare it. Pastor Josh has just declared his addiction. I did that because the Holy Spirit told me to, and His grace is upon me. But what I am saying is if there's something that's in your closet, it's one of the deepest forms of bondage. There's something in your closet that you don't go there. Jesus, I know you delivered me from that. Did he? Can he? Yes. But did he? One of the hallmark signs that he did not deliver me is because I still had an embarrassment about it. As long as that embarrassment stays there, there's still something lurking there. There's a place that's going deeper than the love of Jesus because where the love of Jesus goes, it goes deeper than that. And it heals. It never fails. It washes us clean. But I'm still embarrassed because there's something still not unclean. There's still something not clean in me. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your work. How do we get free? I'm going to give you a one-verse answer. John is writing about the dragon, Satan, the serpent of old, the devil. And he says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. No way else. And by the word of their testimony. Jesus is the word. And when his word is in me, and I declare it, it's a testimony. Whenever Jesus speaks, it creates things. His word creates. And he's wanting to create life in us. Freedom. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus setting us free from the law of sin and death. Don't, don't, don't zone me out. don't. You're getting, you're getting the living Word of God. It's the living Word of God that separates between soul and spirit. We're naive. It's absurd to think that I'm perfect, that I have nothing, nothing wrong with me, though some theologians will argue it. But they're not talking from the living Word of God. They're talking from words on a page. The living Word of God, the power of God, what I'm declaring in life and truth and love over this place, separates soul and spirit. Any unclean entanglement, any unclean demonic uh, spirit that's sticking to us. When I speak these words, it's the living power of God. It's not me. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I break off the stupor and the fog that limits our hearts and our understanding, from, 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 that limits the eyes of our understanding from being enlightened. The power of the living word, Jesus himself, the power of Jesus, have his way in us. In the name of Jesus. And they loved not their lives to the end. Adam and Eve take in that fruit. 
and they are all of a sudden in self-preservation mode. They're loving their lives. Christians, in different ways, falling into that same track. Jim mentioned it. It's original sin. Do you know that Jesus was tempted in all ways? <laughs> in truth and in love. It was possible for Jesus to fail. It says he was tested. He did not fail. He was perfect. Whereas the first Adam was a life-giving being, the second Adam is a life-giving spirit. And Jesus proved that he was that life-giving spirit by living a perfect life. But he did that so that our scarlet sins could be taken care of, even as believers. Part of us going with him is when he sets us free, and free indeed, it means truly free. Following Jesus means to be set free and truly free. Truly free means walking it out and knowing that I will be tempted again, but walking it out, staying in him by his grace. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb. We overcome the enemy. We overcome the bondage by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and loving not our lives to the end. I'd like you to stand to your feet if you would. I am, I'm going to get home and Becky's going to say, you are mad at people. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not. I'm feeling an unction in the Holy Spirit against sin, against bondage. And that unction sometimes comes out in a declaration of power and yeah, everything can be said better. <laughs> I'm not going to defend that. But I am not going to back down from what the Spirit of God is doing in truth. Let me put it to you this way. If you want to be set free from whatever it is, sexual immorality, addiction, gluttony, unforgiveness, whatever it lying, pathological lying, whatever it is, you can be set free right now. And if, if you're ready, Every spirit of lust, Holy Spirit, reveal these things. Every spirit of lust, whether it's pornography, whether it's adultery, any form of sexual immorality, reveal it, Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts. He convinces our hearts that it's there. Jesus says that it, it's not necessarily the action, it's the thought, because it's coming from your heart, and he wants to loose you from that. Every spirit of pride, it can come in the form of anger, manipulation, trying to control. In the name of Jesus, I bless Holy Spirit to reveal that. Any insecurity, feeling um, inferior, fear 
anxiety, worry. In the name of Jesus, thank you for revealing it. Thank you for revealing it, Holy Spirit. Resentment, malice, envy, and jealousy toward others. Jesus said, he who commits these sins is a slave of sin. Continues to do these things. That's bondage, brothers and sisters. By the blood of Jesus, I command it to go. By the blood of Jesus, any spirit that's attached, that's causing us to continue in these things that are not of God, in these bondages, in the blood, uh, by the blood of Jesus, I command it to go. You shall overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony, what Jesus has done, and loving not your life to the end. Pastor Mickey last night shared a wonderful message on offense. I encourage you to listen to it if you weren't here. But she brought out this truth of what repentance really is. It's an exchange. I'm exchanging the lie that's led me into the bondage, the lie that says I'll never get through the bondage, the lie that says I'm not really bound, all of it bondage, for the truth that Jesus has called me to be free and free indeed. Holy Spirit, we just bless these exchanges to take place right now. We thank you that in you it's safe. We thank you that our trust is well placed in you. I bless humility in the name of Jesus. Humility, he resists the proud, but he pours out grace on the humble. And that's what he's doing right now. You can stay where you are if you want. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and, and just you're soaking in his presence, it's really good. But I want to invite you, if the Lord is stirring in your heart that I need freedom in this area, we have several people that are anointed to minister freedom. Um, so I'm just going to invite the, any, anybody on the ministry team, anybody on the ministry team, just come forward right now. Jesus. And just deliver this word. You, you may feel like, you may feel a profound sense of guilt and just falling short, like you're deficient in some way. But God is here exchanging that. Letting go of that identity and embracing what Jesus did. He died so that we can be guiltless, without guilt. 
and his grace, where we feel deficient, his grace is sufficient. He's doing that right now. And so as we sing, as we worship, if you would like prayer, just come forward. Don't wait another day. Love you.